Welcome everyone to the uh, first episode of Just Crypto in 2024. Um, so this is a whole new year, a whole lot of stuff happening in crypto. We're going to dive into my tier list for the top cryptos uh, coming up through 2024. I will say some things and uh, you may disagree with them. Uh, you may uh, love what I'm saying and fully support me. Either way, uh, please uh, let me know. This is going to be a conversation between all the folks who are here joining me live, um, either on uh, Twitter or X or on YouTube. So if you're in either of those places, um, I believe now I can see your uh, Twitter comments as well. So if you comment on the video, uh, you should show up. <laughs> and if you are here, I would love to actually know who's here. Um, so if, just drop a hi, let me know that you're here, that you're watching along. Uh, it's always fun to know kind of who's participating um, so we can get a sense of, you know, who the audience is and how spicy I need to be in some of my takes. Uh, I want to say hi first to Sirkarin. It's always great to have you here on the show. Um, and yeah, there will be a few hot takes here. Um, as I go through my, my tier list of the different cryptos, want to say hi to Daniel as well. Welcome. Uh, great to have you on the show. Um, and basically the format that I'm going to use is the tried and true tier list format where we rank things from uh, S tier to uh, dog shit. And so that, those are the rankings that you'll have for the various different cryptos. You can see here I've got a number of different tiers. Uh, basically, as I think about it, you know, S tier is the God tier. It is a crypto that I think uh, everyone should consider having in their portfolio. And I say consider because, you know, like none of us here on YouTube actually know anything about finances. Uh, and if we do, we're not allowed to give financial advice. So please take that in mind, right? This is your portfolio. Uh, you're going to get wrecked or your portfolio is going to moon based on your decisions. So make some good ones. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, basically rank uh, the cryptos that I know. I will say that I don't know every crypto, but I've done a decent amount of research into some of them. So I'll share some of my thoughts. Uh, if I miss anything, uh, please jump in. Let me know because uh, missing things, uh, again, is something that I'm very good at as well. Uh, I want to say hi to Crypto's Chain. Uh, just a shout out. If you haven't uh, checked out his channel, he's got some awesome content as well. He's on YouTube. Um, I think he's on, on Twitter as well. So you can find him there. Um, Daniel's already <laughs> complaining about the, the list. I do apologize uh, about Casper. I don't know enough about Casper to actually have an informed opinion. Uh, so some of this will be hot takes, but I, I try and make it at least something that I've, I've learned something about. So Daniel, maybe you can teach me after the show a little bit about Casper and uh, why you like it uh, or don't like it. Either way, <laughs> you didn't really specify which direction. Um, uh, South Padre, Tony, uh, welcome. Uh, great to have you on the show. And what are the criteria for the tiers? Yeah, so let's let's kind of get into what the different criteria are. Uh, so basically, my S tier is uh, coins that I think are uh, something that, uh, you know, are, are solid for everyone to be able to own. Uh, things that I think are within the crypto ethos that have some degree of uh, value and utility it may not just be price that we're talking about. It might be other factors that it's valuable in, uh, but something that I could see enduring over the next decade, at least. Uh, and so these are ones where uh, you could almost call them the blue chips of, of crypto, but we don't really have that concept in crypto. But that's the idea behind the S tier. It's not necessarily going to be the tier that gets you the highest gains, uh, because we all know we can find that meme coin that's number 10,000 on the list of tokens by market cap, and that coin's going to moon. So, like, let's uh, let's not put that one up here as something that we have any certainty about. There's a lot of luck involved uh, in, in those kind of things. But, you know, S tier, blue chip, think of it as blue chip, uh, through some dimension, whether it's price or utility or longevity. Um, the A tier are projects that I think have something very special to them. And that I think as you look over the next five years could really break out. They've got either a lot of momentum or I have uh, 
an opinion that they have something in their technology that's different or unique um, in the way that they're working. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, it's, it's something where I think it bears taking a look at, right? And it's, 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 you may not all agree with it, and I'm trying not to put everything into A tier because that's very easy. Uh, B tier are the ones where either they used to be a strong contender, but some of the shine has worn off. Maybe people aren't as interested in them anymore, or they haven't achieved some of their promises. Or perhaps on the flip side, uh, they're up and coming and are doing fantastic, but there's still just a bunch of questions about them. So they could be good, but they haven't quite broken out. Um, C tier, I'm going to say, is kind of meh. It's like, yeah, it's a crypto coin. You could have it, but I don't have any special feeling that it will do anything either useful or have any uh, price appreciation in any meaningful way that would get anyone excited. Uh, it's just there, right? It doesn't, doesn't mean it will necessarily grow, go away. Decentralized networks tend to be quite resilient, but it's just there. Uh, D tier is stuff that I know in my if I have it in my portfolio, I'm going to be looking to get rid of it. Um, and I think it's, you know, really here looking at coins that I don't think have fulfilled their value that um, are going to get left behind through the next cycle. Uh, and then we've got the dog shit. And the dog shit is stuff that uh, is there because I think it's just really, really bad. And maybe some of the coins will show up in there. Uh, so with, with that out of the way, um, I hope you like the tiers. Uh, all of these are fairly subjective. So it's not like we have a measure for it. Uh, and unfortunately, any measure that we did have would very quickly be gamed because in crypto, we're good at gaming. Uh, so let's get started uh, with the big kahuna. Uh, Bitcoin, obviously, we've got to drag it up here. I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> we get to Bitcoin Cash in a second. Uh, I have a whole story on that as well that we'll get to. Uh, but of course, we have to start with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is um, the largest crypto by market cap. It is one of the first cryptos, the first crypto with a blockchain, uh, and recently got an ETF as well. So a lot of things going in Bitcoin's favor. Um, I think one of the concerns that people have raised is how much will the ETF uh effectively allow traditional finance to capture Bitcoin or at least manipulate it in ways they haven't been able to, uh, perhaps capture the momentum and the purpose of Bitcoin. If everything's on ETFs, then what happened to this uh, currency that you could use, right? It's a store of value, yes, but is it really a medium of exchange? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, even with that potential concern, I'm still going to put Bitcoin up in the S tier. I think it would be folly for me to do anything different at this point. Um, I know that the utility of Bitcoin as a medium of exchange is perhaps less as we start to look at some of the aspects around the fees involved or the privacy involved uh, or lack of privacy in the case of Bitcoin. Um, but it still has captured the imagination of the entire world. And when you say crypto, many people interpret it as Bitcoin. Uh, and so that's one where I think absolutely it's going to be a rock. And I think it'll be here 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I feel very confident about that. Uh, second one we're going to look into is Ethereum. So Ethereum, as you know, is a smart contract platform, one of the OG smart contract platforms. Um, I think a lot of Ethereum's uh, luster recently has been um, superseded by the L2s. So we'll talk a bit about optimism and arbitrum uh, coming up. Uh, but I think Ethereum largely has completed their transition to proof of stake that was very controversial in a number of aspects. So they moved away from proof of work. And to me, that makes Ethereum slightly less durable as a system. I, I'm very open to being biased uh, for proof of stake networks in terms of the durability, the ability to have kind of decentralization, the, the um, 
less ability to quickly capture them. You have to do kind of physical work instead of just economic work. Um, and so, you know, I think these are a, a couple of reasons why I tend to sway more to proof of work as the kind of foundation type networks. Uh, wanted to also pause here and say hi to uh, Hirasol. Welcome. It's great to have you here. And Carol, uh, great to have you um, on the show as well. Uh, and so, you know, with, with Ethereum, I think it's got a lot going for it. Clearly, it's got a lot of capital and it's got the lead in the number of dApps for sure. Um, but I do think more so than any time in history, it's at a precipitous position. Uh, it's attacked from all sides where its value is being diluted into a lot of the L2s. And I know the ETH maxis will talk about that as part of its value proposition. You have all these L2s running around. Um, honestly, though, the value capture of ETH and Ethereum, the token, becomes less and less as you see some of these L2s grow. And then the question I have in my mind is, well, how many of these L2s ultimately will need to continue settling on Ethereum? And I don't know. Um, and it seems like that could definitely jeopardize the, uh, the, the status of Ethereum. So I, I can't put in good conscience Ethereum as an S tier. I'm going to place it as an A tier. I still think it's you know very solid in the portfolio. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you absolutely. <laughs> I wasn't cheating with the comments here, but Daniel, I agree. ATF for Ethereum is definitely the way to go. Hi, one. <laughs> also, ATF for for Ethereum. Um, yeah, that, that's what we can say about Ethereum. I think the times ahead are going to be interesting for it. Uh, let's go on to BNB. Um, and so this is this is a very centralized decentralized network. Uh, I believe all the nodes are still run by Binance. Binance, of course, falling out of favor uh, with regulators, CZ stepping down. Um, I have personally experienced the um, uh, but the uh, the Binance um, smart chain as a, a store full of rugs. It is very much the place that you go to scam people. And so I think ultimately, like the the, the level of durable products that come from this are tied entirely to uh, how well BNB, its finance itself can do, uh, and also how how they they tend to want to keep these uh, validators uh, up and running, um, and you're, you're really dependent on them. So I don't see it as a crypto project in the same league as Bitcoin and Ethereum. In fact, I see it fairly precariously as being propped up by by Binance. So I'm going to put it into my kind of mid tier. Um, I think it had a fantastic run. Um, I, I do think there's questions about how it engages with Binance. So I know that's not going to make some people happy. Uh, sorry, my, my C tier is a little lower than you had one for, for BNB. Um, but I think that's that's where I think it deserves to be. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to have the impact of a lot of these other projects that we're talking about. Uh, let's go on get on to, yeah, actually, I'm curious about this, Simon. So you say builders don't want to build on uh, BNB. Um, I don't have a lot of experience kind of building with or engaging with with builders on BNB. So if you have any kind of anecdotes or thoughts on that, uh, pop them below. I'd love to know as well, because that seems like something that uh, is is definitely long term detrimental to the health of uh, of a chain. Um, let's dive into Solana. So I know Solana is very controversial. It's uh, known as the chain that uh, the chain of a thousand halts. Uh, it seemed previously in the last few years, every six months it would have a halt or have something go wrong. Um, have some bug. Uh, it has built itself as being a high TPS uh, blockchain. And then people are questioning, well, how much of that is just consensus traffic going back and forth? How much of it is real transactions? So I do think there's a question there. Uh, but I got to say, uh, you know, I had um, Austin from the Solana Foundation on my show about six months ago, seven months ago. 
And um, I, I do I do think the level of thoughtfulness and vision from some of the folks in Solana is beyond what I've seen anywhere else. Uh, and so I'll just take the Solana phone as well uh, as one example of this. Uh, the, the phone itself, if you look today, currently any experience you have on Web3, if you're mobile first, is gated by Apple and Google. And they'll take their 30% or however much it is these days of any of the sales that happen digitally through that. Uh, that's a non-starter for anything that we do in crypto. And Solana is the only one that's really brought a product there to market. Uh, and I, I feel like that level of vision of Web3 is not something that we should allow to be disintermediated is very, very strong. Um, and that, that's something I, I give the Solana team a lot of credit for. There's also some fantastic apps building on Solana. Helium's one of them. Uh, you've got HiveMapper as another. So you can basically have cell phone service, GPS, uh, all gated by the blockchain, rewarded by tokens for people participating. Um, so I'm going to, uh, before I uh, choose where it's going to be, uh, I'm going to say, you know, let's go to the comments here. Daniel's saying Solana is a B. Uh, Jeff is saying not the chain of a thousand halts. <laughs> They've actually done pretty good. I don't think it's halted now in about eight months, if I recall. Um, and then one's also saying B. I think you're kind of agreeing with me. I'm going to, I'm going to put Solana at a B. Um, no, I'm going to put it as an A. Why as an A? Because I think that while there is an overhang of whatever's happening with FTX, the level of excitement from the builder perspective in Solana is one of the highest anywhere that's out there. Um, yeah, so Gemini's uh, popping in saying, no, 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 it's a C. Uh, supply is unlimited. Uh, yes, I, I do think the, the thing here is that what they're building towards is larger than a lot of the other networks. I think their vision is larger than Ethereum's vision. Honestly, Ethereum's getting right now, I think, stuck in the weeds of technical details and how they do all the various different upgrades to the network. And Solana's actually building for how people can use it. Uh, and so I think, yeah, you could you could actually say, well, maybe it's maybe it's a B. I could buy that totally. Uh, for this video, it's going to be an A. Okay, we have here the invisible XRP. Um, XRP is another kind of OG crypto. And yeah, they've done a lot of good for the industry. I've got to say the, the court cases that they won um, have been tremendous in setting precedent for us. The, the token itself and the network itself, I'm honestly not sure why it needs to exist. They've built themselves as doing kind of cross-border payments and making that really efficient. Uh, but it's unclear how much value, even if they were successful as an enterprise product, uh, would ever accrue to a token. Um, it doesn't seem like it does anything distinctly different or interesting compared to other types of coins here. Um, and it just seems like it's holding on because it had a lot of really strong bag holders from back in the day. And I don't really see a reason for it to continue to exist. So I I'm really skeptical of this. I know, you know, it works. It does what it says it's going to do. It's been around for a long time, but I can't see it doing anything more than a D. Um, I'm going to say, you know, Daniel, you're absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, you might be able to make money, but it doesn't really have any purpose beyond anything else. It's not special in any way. Okay, I know uh, forgot to say hi to Prospector. Welcome. <laughs> uh, great to have you here. Um, uh, replay, we're still live. So, you know, feel free to pop your comments down there as well. Uh, Cardano. Uh, I know we have at least one person from the Cardano community watching and maybe a couple more. Um, this is one where if you've been following along Cardano, you know, it's uh, Charles Hoskinson's uh, baby. He 
has infused a lot of kind of research-driven methodology into it and taken a very distinct approach with Cardano, uh, where he's gone more on a research-based, he's used the UTXO framework instead of an account-based framework that's more similar to Ethereum or Solana. Um, but what that has resulted in, honestly, is a large amount of slowdown in terms of development. Developing on Cardano is a lot more difficult than other chains. Uh, on the flip side, it has actually offered a... And it's, you know, over the years now, I've been proven out a higher level of security. The number of hacks that are happening on Cardano is orders of magnitude lower. In fact, I, I can't even think of a, a recent one where there was actually a, a hack um, on Cardano. And part of that may be because it's too complicated even for the attackers to build. Uh, part of it may be because it's just not in the spotlight and people aren't focusing on it. But I'm sure that part of it is because of these research-driven methods that actually allow uh, people to have some level of confidence in what they're building if they have that expertise. Um, so I think Cardano has a lot of things going for it. Uh, honestly, I, I wish um, Charles would act more mature in the way he approaches things because I think he could be a leader like uh, Vitalik and he could really influence the community, um, but he hasn't quite grown to that perspective. Um, I want to pop a couple comments up here on Cardano. <laughs> so one is saying that Cardano is slow. Uh, yes, my uh, phrase a while back used to be Slowdano. I even have one of their um, domains, Slowdano. That's me. So if you if you go to the Ada handle Slowdano, that's where I'm at. Um, Daniel's saying it's going for number one. So that's definitely you know a common refrain you'll hear from Cardano folks is going for number one. Um, I would hate to think that any chain was going for number two. That seems kind of depressing. <laughs> uh, Conrad, welcome. He's a Cardano builder. Uh, Raheel's also Cardano's number one. Um, yeah, Conrad's talking about Aiken. I don't have a whole lot of um, things on, on Aiken uh, itself, so it, I haven't like dived into that yet. Uh, uh, whoops. <laughs> Who cares about Charles? Uh, yeah, Charles seems to care a lot about Charles. Uh, Simon's saying that Cardano is one year behind other chains. Um, but it's not that bad to dev on anymore. Uh, okay, I've, the, the folks I've spoken to who are building on it have said it's pretty complicated, but maybe some of the new Pluto stuff has changed that. Um, and Sukran saying that Icon's way more performance and easier to build with. So maybe it's starting to turn a corner in terms of developer adoption. I do think it's still one or two years behind the rest of the ecosystem. You know, stuff that's being done on Ethereum, maybe you know, in a couple of years will be done on Cardano. I'll use one example. Uh, Indigo protocol, which is a is a inspired by a protocol on Ethereum, uh, it's still very much in its works. It's it's sort of like a V1 of what's on Ethereum. Um, I do I do think that Cardano has some struggles. So the the core value prop there is around decentralization and security. There's very few venture capitalists who are investing in Cardano, and I think long term, unfortunately, that results in fewer builders. That results in fewer killer apps that are on Cardano. Um, yeah, this is exactly it. Looking, Cardano is looking to be the Bitcoin, but proof of uh, proof of stake, decentralization first, slow chain. Uh, so I think the place Cardano wins is slow and steady. You look out two decades. Uh, the place it could lose is just not keeping up with all the innovations and having the cool things move to another network. Uh, you know, if you've been around long enough, you you know that there were always better uh, technologies whether it was beta versus Betamax versus VHS, right? The better technology lost because the content was all on VHS or whether it was OS2 versus um, Windows, which again lost because of all the support of developers on Windows. And so just given that, I think I'm going to put 
Cardano in a B. I could say it's a high B because I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of passion in the community and they've done a lot of things right from a decentralization core crypto perspective. Um, and you know, as Simon's saying, their staking is fantastic. Like the idea of effectively being liquid staked without having to have liquid staked derivatives, I haven't seen that on any other chain. And so that's phenomenal. Um, but I do think there's a couple headwinds uh, that Cardano has that they have to overcome first. So that's why I'm giving it a B. Uh, ask me in a year. Uh, and I think we'll know a little bit more about where it's going to be heading there. Okay, let's go on to Avalanche. So I know a little bit about Avalanche. The one thing that I'm most impressed with for Avalanche is their subnet architecture, uh, very similar to Cosmos and Cosmos's app chains and zones. Uh, and so I think ultimately that's a great way to scale horizontally instead of scaling a blockchain vertically. Uh, they do have a very competent team of builders working on Avalanche and yeah, actually, I want to pause here and say thank you, Chris. Uh, I know Chris is part of the Cardano community, um, and I, you know, I appreciate that he thinks that that a B is fair. I know oftentimes when you uh, give something that someone's favorite coin uh, grade they don't like, they get very upset. So I appreciate that, Chris. Um, <clears throat> but let's get back to to Avalanche. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I think Avalanche has a lot going for it. It, it is. <clears throat> It does have a lot of uh, venture capital that's that's sloshing around the system as well, so that could be good for it. Uh, I just think that if you compare it to a Solana, which has its own set of benefits, or even an Ethereum, that it's not quite at the same level. Um, yeah, it also gets expensive. So, uh, you know, Avalanche gas fees, follow Ethereum gas fees, and arguably it has kind of less tra traction, less usage, uh, less developers on it. Um, so I'm going to give it a B. I think it's slightly higher than, than Binance Chain. But I think it's also lower than Cardano. I think Cardano has a lot more things going for it than uh, than Avalanche right now. I think primarily because of the way that it's built with the robustness in it. <laughs> yeah, USDC would be nice to have on Cardano. Um, one day, maybe, if, if anyone ever wants it there. Let's talk about Dogecoin, Elon's favorite coin. Uh, so Dogecoin itself, right, it's a meme coin, uh, but it is proof of work and it does have very low transaction fees. So as a medium of exchange, it's actually pretty good. Uh, one could argue that it's it's better than Bitcoin. Uh, as a store of value, not so much. It really depends on Elon and how much he's tweeting lately about it. Um, I personally tend not to like um, meme coins as much. Um, yeah, that's how I think of meme coins generally. They're shit coins. Um, and the reason is because there's nothing fundamental in the value of the coin itself. It's just based on culture. It's based on sentiment, uh, which, you know, arguably a lot of the pricing of everything is based on sentiment, um, but meme coins more so, and they can fall out of fashion very quickly. Um, so I'm going to give uh, Dogecoin kind of a low C. I, I'd put it behind Binance Chain. Uh, and the reason I put it ahead of XRP is I think it actually does more for crypto adoption than XRP ever will. Because a lot of people will see Dogecoin and they'll laugh at the memes and they'll they'll get involved in everything and it'll be fun and Elon will talk about it. Uh, and so it's a way to introduce people to the space. And so I think there it has some value. Uh, DRC20 is not something I, I knew about. I guess we're putting NFTs everywhere, right? And so um, that, that could definitely, I could see NFTs and Dogecoin going very well together. Uh, it does get some use. Yeah. And, and I think one of the smart things they did was merge mine with Litecoin. Um, and so effectively, they have a fairly secure network. Um, and so I do think perhaps a low C is a harsh um, 
uh, evaluation of it. Uh, if people are building on it, I would definitely, you know, love to see where it is in a year. Um, it's not a, a network I potentially dislike in any fashion. Uh, it's just it's getting a meme tax from me, and, and that's why. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, you bring people to, to, to crypto with memes, uh, but then they think crypto is just memes. Um, so that's something we as a community do have to work on. I uh, want to say hi to uh, Wolf of X Street. Uh, welcome. Yeah, no, it's been good. Uh, 2024 is off to a good start. Uh, so we've got a few of the cryptos up there. Let's talk a little bit about Polkadot. So Polkadot, um, they have the, a parachain setup where you could, you know, previously, I think they're moving away to a setup more similar to Cosmos. You could effectively rent a parachain and you'd have good communication across the parachains. Um, they are working through through governance right now and kind of building up a decentralized governance. And so I think that's all very positive. And Gavin, who's the, the founder of Polkadot, obviously one of the Ethereum OGs. So there's a lot of expertise kind of built into the team there. Um, it is something that's fairly robust, has a, a large number of uh, developers and a large community behind it. Uh, one of the things I see as a challenge for Polkadot is it just doesn't seem to have captured the imagination. Um, like name me two apps on Polkadot. I, I can't, Moonbeam maybe? Um, but it's just very difficult to, to um, even being involved strongly in the, in the crypto community, to see Polkadot as, as a viable chain that's continuing to build, that has new scenarios on it. Uh, honestly, if you were trying to pick a chain that had effectively parachain-like functionality, I don't see why you wouldn't choose Avalanche or Cosmos at this point. Those are far superior ecosystems, just in terms of the permissionless nature, uh, the amount of capital and energy that's being pushed in there, and the mindshare narrative that's happening. Um, one is saying Polkadot is dead. I, I wouldn't quite you know, dig its grave just yet, but I guess I will put it, I'm gonna put it kind of a, I'll put it below Dogecoin. And the reason it's below Dogecoin is, you know, it's, it's proof of stake. And they've made a number of missteps along the way. And so that's you know where it is. Uh, let's talk about Tron. So everyone loves Justin Sun. <laughs> uh, and surprisingly, this has a large uh, user base across Asia. Um, and so Tron itself is not something that I think you can just disregard. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, though. So it's actually very difficult for me to make an informed um, decision on where to place it. I do know that Justin Sun doesn't have a good reputation among a lot of crypto folks. However, you know, Tron is very widely used. Uh, one is saying Tron is fake. I don't know if it's fake necessarily given the amount of value that it's moving back and forth. Um, but it definitely, I don't see a lot of discussion about Tron among people that I trust. Um, and so to me, that's a signal of like, okay, what's going on here? Could be because I'm in the US and maybe all the interesting discussions are actually happening, you know, over in Korea or other parts of Asia. And I'm just missing out on that. Um, you know, Tron is fairly cheap from my understanding as a network. Um, and so just given that it's vibrant and it's active and it has a large community, um, I am going to push it just above Polkadot. Uh, I think the one thing it has going for the Polkadot doesn't is usage. Um, and it is very much used. And I, I believe it has a fairly modern um, framework underpinning it. So it can evolve as we go. Um, yeah. Daniel's saying that uh, Cardano was, will use Polkadot Substrate Framework for their new partner chain project. This is actually a very surprising decision at the time when I when I learned about it, uh, because it doesn't feel like Polkadot Substrate is the state of the art, um, especially as you look at some of the interchain queries that are being built in the Cosmos. 
Polkadot just seems far behind in all of that. Um, and maybe it's fitting that Cardano being a little bit behind the rest of the world is also betting on technology that I, I think is a little bit behind the rest. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Polygon is kind of my dark horse here. I think Polygon has some fantastic things going for it. Over any team in crypto, they probably have one of the best business development teams ever. They pivoted from effectively being a layer one with a bridge to Ethereum that they called a layer two at the time to convince everyone they were tied to Ethereum into actually building ZK EVMs. And just to kind of the level of nimbleness of the Polygon team, you know, transactions are super cheap. Uh, they're available in MetaMask and all the places that you want it. They have a decent set of um, dApps being built on them. Um, there was some, I forget recently, there was someone who announced that they were building on Polygon. Ah, it slipped my mind. If you know, um, then yeah, definitely let me know. But there's a lot of folks who are building on Polygon. It's got a, a vibrant NFT scene, not quite as vibrant as Solana, but uh, it has a lot of aspects to it that I think uh, make it very, very interesting. And now, you know, I think the downside to Polygon is that it is fairly centralized, right? There is a multi-sig somewhere and, a, you know, a small group of folks could get together and effectively rug the entire chain. Uh, so that's not good at all. Uh, but if you look at most of the Ethereum EVMs, they are the exact same way. Right? I know Arbitrum and others are moving to a more decentralized governance, but that's kind of where they're at um, right now. So Polygon, I'm actually, I was torn. I wanted to put this as an A tier because I do believe that it could potentially have the usage and adoption um, of a Solana or an Ethereum. I think rather what I'm going to do is put it as a high B tier. So you could you could definitely convince me it's an A tier, but I just think that centralization of the multi-sig right now is a little bit too much for me to push it all the way to the A tier. Um, and especially given that it's inherited, um, I would say like a lot of the jank of it, of Ethereum, right? It's, you know, EVM, et cetera, et cetera. So it has some of that, that baggage that comes with it, even though the team is just fantastic in the way that they're pivoting to different things. Um, Link. Link is the oracle of the blockchain, effectively. Like, yeah, there's a couple other oracle projects, but here, you know, Link is the 800-pound gorilla. Every single DeFi experience depends on an oracle, some fashion, some formal fashion. Um, the downside to this is, you know, Link is also a fairly centralized. Chainlink has a multi-sig to it as well. Um, the upside is it's pretty much dependent. Everyone needs to use it. You have to have some version of an Oracle. Um, and so its value capture up until now has been fairly weak. Uh, it hasn't had a lot of folks, uh, a lot of way for the, the chain itself to accrue value from all its usage. Um, so that's one concern. I know they're bringing... Um, staking, and they've got other different aspects to link that they're working on. Um, and it is vital across the ecosystem. I would love to put this in A tier as well. And I think that's where it's going to go, just below Solana. Um, I think until there's another Oracle that it can be a credible competitor to it across chain, uh, Link will have a tremendous advantage in adoption. Um, yeah, so this is a challenge, right? The problem is everyone relies on Link. The oracles aren't decentralized enough, so Link could essentially break the entire uh, world of DeFi. Uh, that's a problem from our perspective. It's an opportunity from Link's perspective for them to essentially own that. Um, ICP, I'm going to put down in dog shit. The way they pump and dumped their initial launch and basically stole from retail, not a big fan. Yeah, they might have some interesting tech, but they're not going to get the time of day for me. 
Goodbye, ICP. Uh, Shiba Inu. This is one of those meme coins that I'm surprised it's still around. Um, I know they're working on some DeFi plans on, on Shiba, but it just seems like yesterday. It's like the Boomer meme coin. And not Boomer in the, the, the cool legacy way like Dogecoin. Boomer as in the next cycle is going to have more interesting meme coins. So why would you own Shib? I think it sits with XRP. <laughs> it's another shit coin, as one says. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and this is one where I just have bad vibes about the whole way it was created and the number of people that were hurt, retail folks, uninformed folks that were hurt through all of this. Um, and so that, that gives me some, some pause. Uh, Litecoin, uh, Litecoin Proof of Work Network, uh, billed originally as a silver to Bitcoin's gold. Um, I think we're seeing now that maybe at best it's a copper to Bitcoin's gold. Um, I honestly don't see why anyone would use Litecoin. I know they're working on privacy improvements to increase the level of privacy there. The fees are relatively cheap for transfer compared to Bitcoin, um, but it doesn't seem to be gaining a lot of traction. And its status is really just hanging on as an OG that used to be around uh, without actually making any inroads. I think there's probably room for a handful of proof of work coins, and that's it. Like the, We're not going to get enough hash rate to have 20 proof of work coins all prove, you know, reasonably secure against whoever would attack it. So uh, Litecoin is a copy. It has some good things to it, but I, I'm going to put it just above XRP. I, I don't think it has a reason to continue to exist much. And yeah, I, I, I can see eventually it fading into irrelevance. Uh, I think the price action on Litecoin has reinforced that as well. But it's not just about price. It's about what technology does it bring. Uh, we've got Uniswap here. We've got the Uniswap Unicorn. Uh, Uniswap obviously being the most used DEX across multiple different chains. Uh, I think the big challenge that Uniswap's going to have is from a regulatory perspective. Um, they, they do have, um, you know, they're, they're trying to play both sides. Uh, essentially, uh, they're trying to play nice with Gary and Co, and they're also trying to be this decentralized network. So they'll they'll do things like shut off the UI for certain coins, or make it difficult in certain locales to do things. Um, yeah, and so I, th I think uh, you know, I think they will be very successful. How much of that value accrues to the token holders is unclear, and how quickly a new uh, a new upstart will come in and take over what they're doing because the new upstart will be a little bit looser with particular regulations, maybe fully decentralized, uh, possibly. Um, I, I think Uniswap's in a tenuous position as the leader, uh, but they are still developing. They do have a team. They do have great technology. Uniswap v4 is in the works. Uh, and so I think that's, that's reason enough for me to give them at least a high C tier. Uh, you know, it, it is an app that everyone uses. It does have use, right? So it's it's not something that's um, we could totally disregard. <laughs> yeah, there's an Elrond logo, but we'll we'll get to Multiverse X. It's also a Multiverse X logo. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, and Uniswap loyalty is a governance token. Um, I haven't been following along. I know they were planning to to flip the fee switch at some point, um, but I'm not sure. Uh, Chris is saying that ICP was basically ruined by FTX. Um, I'm not sure. I think they ruined themselves even when FTX was doing fine. Um, as a former ICP holder, I remember being completely wrecked by the way they pump and dumped it, uh, while all the while selling technology that was extremely centralized. So 
ICP is dog shit, in my opinion. It doesn't doesn't deserve anything else. Uh, let's talk about Bitcoin Cash. Um, so Bitcoin Cash, the, the faster, nimbler Bitcoin that can be used as a medium of exchange that is not caught on uh, and that I think will fade into irrelevance. It's there. I think there were some interesting ideas. I think it was good as a vehicle to explore those ideas. Clearly, they didn't work, didn't catch on, didn't get adoption. Um, I'm going to give it a low D. I think it's eventually going to fade into irrelevance. Um, again, it's another proof-of-work network that has no reason to exist. It doesn't do anything that's special or different that we can't get some other way. Uh, Ethereum Classic, the OG Ethereum, still chugging along on proof-of-work with a fraction of the number of dApps that I'll call it real Ethereum or the forked Ethereum has. Um, I think code is law is an interesting philosophy. Uh, in practice, no one is actually, uh, at least for Ethereum Classic, this has proved to not be interesting at all. Uh, no one cares about a chain that doesn't have any dApps on it, especially a smart contract platform. Um, and so I think uh, Ethereum Classic, I'm also going to put it in the dog shit category above ICP. Um, not because the tech is necessarily bad, but I just don't see any future for it. I, I think very quickly it will disappear. I don't know why it has such a high market cap. It's, it's not doing anything for anyone. Um, yeah, and so for those who aren't uh, familiar with the history here, uh, the history is basically that the original Ethereum, uh, there was a DAO hack at some point, and they effectively voted to fork the chain and take the, those coins away from the hacker on the new chain, and everyone just agreed that the new chain was the chain. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. You could look at the times and say, well, maybe Ethereum would have died if they hadn't done that, but it sets a terrible precedent. Uh, you know, Ethereum's history effectively has someone's coins getting stolen, even though they stole them originally, uh, right? The, the, the chain is not an immutable blockchain. Um, they, they, they forked it for that. So that's unfortunate. And, and it's unfortunate that Ethereum Classic lost, but it is what it is. Uh, Cosmos, one of my, well, Atom, Cosmos Hub, uh, one of my, my favorite kind of narratives over the next couple of years is this idea of kind of building interconnected app chains that all have high TPS, that have a, a very solid purpose and can interconnect with each other through the IBC, uh, which is a kind of a lower layer bridge between all Cosmos chains. They make it very easy to move between uh, Injective or Kajira or Osmosis or various other different chains that are out there. And so I think that's a level of technology that's fantastic. Cosmos tends to be fast. Uh, the Cosmos Hub itself doesn't have a lot of value accrual to it, but it's, they're working on it. They're bringing um, the ability for other chains to leverage the security of Cosmos, um, interchain security. And what that does effectively is it means you can use the size of the, the economic size of Cosmos to secure your chain, but also the same set of validators that Cosmos Hub has. Uh, and so that makes it very easy for someone to launch an, a new chain on Cosmos. Uh, it hasn't proven to be you know, tremendously effective just yet, but there are some chains like Noble, which does the native USDC on Cosmos, that are starting to move in that direction, starting to build it. So I, I do think there's um, potential promise to Cosmos that it can capture some of the value accrual coming to the entire ecosystem, um, but it is not the strongest value accrual token in all of it. Uh, I'm very bearish on the way governance is being conducted in Cosmos. They have fantastic systems in place. People are voting, so decentralized government is working, but some of these proposals are just asinine. And I, sometimes I view the Cosmos Hub treasury as something that's being pillaged by everyone. And so I'm a little bit nervous there. It's for a couple of those reasons why 
I can't give it an A tier. I think it's it doesn't have enough going for it. The Cosmos Hub itself doesn't have smart contracts. Uh, that's being uh, forever debated. As Chris is bringing up, um, Adam Wan, so um, Jay Kwan, no relation to Doe, uh, was one of the uh, founders of Cosmos. And there's a very much a schism in the Cosmos community about what should Cosmos even be? What should Adam even be? And I guess a recent vote was lost and Jay decided to take his toys and go home. And he wants to fork into a chain called Adam One. Whether that'll happen, how that'll work, we're still yet to discover. But that's something else that's overhanging on what's going on with Cosmos. Uh, so I'm going to give it a high B. I'm going to place it above Cardano. And the reasons for placing it above Cardano is I think they've walked further along the path of decentralized governance. And they're a very modern chain that has a lot of other modern chains building on them. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, Injective and, and Kujira coming up here. Um, and, and so I think Cosmos as an ecosystem will continue to thrive. And the Cosmos Hub will continue to accrue some of that value to itself, even though it's not the most value accruing part of the overall Cosmos. Uh, Near is a, a chain that's very similar to Multiverse X in terms of, uh, you, you know, the way it's a multi-sharded chain at very high TPS. Um, I haven't dug into as much of all the details of Nier. I know it's got very heavy VC funding, so it's less of kind of a fair launch that's happening there. Um, that's all I can say about it from, from my knowledge, if you have any more opinions here. Uh, but from what I've seen and what I've used of Nier, I've used a little bit of Nier, not, not too much. Um, it, it doesn't feel like it's revolutionary to me. Uh, there's nothing that I used on Nier that said, okay, this is a reason for me to move away from Polygon or Cosmos or Solana. Um, Seems sort of meh. <laughs> so I'm going to put it in, in the C tier, um, a little bit below Uniswap, because I, I do think Uniswap is still a strong product. Uh, Stellar XRM, why is that thing even still around? Dog shit. <laughs> um, you know, its whole idea was also, you know, just transferring money. Okay, great. Every single crypto transfers money. What do you do differently? Nothing. Um, so I, I think that's not really useful. Uh, Injective, if you're not aware, is a kind of EVM type chain that's connected to the Cosmos and has a lot of VC backing. And so they've got a, a lot of apps that have moved over, Astroport has moved over. It's got a lot of attention recently. I believe even back in its initial founding in 2021, Mark Cuban threw some money in. Um, so it's very much uh, the, the darling of the VCs. You can see in its price action, there's been a lot of strong upward movement. Um, if you'd bought recently, you're sitting on a 25, 30X. Um, and so it has a lot of momentum behind it. But as I've tried to use some of the dApps that they point to outside of Astroport, which is fantastic, um, it's very lacking. And there's a, a, you know, a lot of limitations from a regional perspective that are there as well. I, I feel like this is um, all smoke and no fire. Um, and maybe they're, they're working on lighting the fire. I mean, these VC guys have a lot of money to buy gas and to buy, you know, matches and stuff. But I didn't see a lot there that would make, get me more excited apart from the price impact. And I mean, honestly, I'm not in crypto just for the price, right? So um, I'm going to pop it down into C tier as well. I do think it's a little ahead of near because uh, there seem to be a lot more things being built on it. Um, and yeah, so that's that's basically uh, what, what I think of Injective. Um, a lot of folks love Injective. Uh, you could make some good profits on Injective, but not for me. So someone mentioned Celestia. Let's get to some interesting concepts. So what is Celestia? Uh, Celestia is a chain that focuses on sovereign rollups. 
Um, so sovereign rollups effectively uh, publish transactions to another blockchain to allow kind of ordering and availability to happen um, and leave its nodes to determine which is the correct chain. Uh, the main difference between a smart contract rollup and a sovereign rollup is that on Ethereum, transactions are verified by smart contract and on the sovereign rollup, they're verified by nodes effectively. Um, and this seems like a very interesting kind of technological leap forward uh, in, in terms of the uh, type of ways that different blockchains interact together. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different than how Ethereum and its L2s work. It's a, it's a little different way of creating that type of consensus. I'm not going to go into all the, the details about what is smart contract rollup and how does Celestia handle it, uh, but it's got a lot going for it. I do think it's run too far too fast. Um, so they, they did an airdrop and I think a 4X very quickly right after the airdrop. So its price movement has been fantastic. Its potential I think is fantastic, but it needs to actually have some real world products that people are using. So I think it's, it's more promise right now than delivery, uh, but I do think it has a lot of promise. So I, I'm gonna place it uh, just behind Cardano um, because I think if they deliver what they want to deliver, it could be, uh, completely game-changing for um, for folks. Uh, so we've got a couple questions here. Let me just jump into them. Uh, hi, Adrian. Welcome. We're getting to Multiverse X very soon. Um, <laughs> someone doesn't like Bitcoin in S. Uh, if I didn't put Bitcoin in S, I'd have a thousand people also grumpy at me, but I do believe it's S tier right now. Um, how do you buy Celestia, um, Osmosis, and I believe Kujira are places that you can buy it um, at the moment? <laughs> uh, so tell me your thesis on uh, Bitcoin Cash, Ian, because you seem to be a little uh, upset that it's all the way down in detail. Uh, I'm open to being proven wrong. Uh, sorry, not Ken Speckle. I think whatever's happening here is I'm not getting your emojis correctly, but <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. Uh, let's talk about what I think is perhaps the most pristine crypto on the entire top 100 list of cryptos, and that's Monero. If you aren't familiar with Monero, it's a proof of work chain. Uh, it has variable block sizes. Uh, it has uh, effectively um, full privacy. You, you can have some discussion about which algorithms is used and um, the statistical probability of the, 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 the fact that there's only kind of 16 decoys and, and how that affects privacy. But effectively, in practice, it is used when people want transactions to be private. The dark web has moved away largely from Bitcoin. They're moving towards Monero. Monero fulfills the promise of an anonymous peer-to-peer -peer digital cash. Uh, it's something that uh, the founders of Bitcoin, even Hal Finney was talking about, needing to add more privacy into Bitcoin. Monero has that. Uh, Monero has a path to add the, the full privacy similar to Zcash into it, uh, which would then remove the last concern about Monero's privacy. But in practice, it has been private. No one has gone to jail for using Monero. Uh, Monero has many techniques to continue to strengthen the privacy of the chain. It's very, very well used. You can buy real stuff with Monero. So I've bought, uh, you know, anything from, um, you know, various different kinds of meats from farmers. You can buy devices with Monero. There is a burgeoning marketplace where Monero is used as a medium of exchange. It's fulfilling that promise and it does it privately. They'll, they'll often joke and say that uh, when new folks bought Bitcoin, 
what they thought they were getting was Monero. They thought they were getting something that was private. As we can see, obviously, Bitcoin's a public ledger. Even with the best privacy practices on Bitcoin, you're going to struggle to be even half as private as Monero. Uh, and the reason is because on a public ledger, you just have to do enough transactions for people to start to learn a bit more about you. If you tend to transact with people in certain geolocations because they're KYC'd, and even if you're not, ultimately over time, you will start to leak data on chain. Uh, and so that's why I think Monero is superior. From a price performance perspective, clearly, Rat Bitcoin is the king. Uh, but from a principles of crypto, utility of crypto, and I think something that will likely be around again in 10 years because there is a need to have private transactions. Monero stands in the bulwark against CBDCs and against the government overreach and against all the surveillance that's happening. Uh, Monero is my top choice so far. I'll put it above Bitcoin, S tier. It is the pinnacle of crypto. And um, I'll talk about Zcash in a second once we get there. Let's talk about Arbitrum. So Arbitrum is one of the L2s on Ethereum. Uh, it's arguably one of the more popular L2s. It's a, got a lot of dApps that have very quickly come towards it. Um, it's growing in its governance. Even the Arb token, which was fairly widely airdropped, uh, you would think would just dump to nothing uh, because the utility is fairly limited right now to a governance uh, token. But it's actually a crude value as the Arbitrum Foundation has started to uh, see different dApps like Camelot with uh, grants to help bolster the activity on chain. Um, I do personally enjoy using um, Arbitrum. It's my kind of Ethereum go-to of choice. Um, and I feel like, uh, you know, if it's impossible for any normal folks to interact on Ethereum, especially when it's busy. So if you want to do Ethereum stuff, uh, an L2 is the place to do it. Uh, Arbitrum is one of the strongest L2s, one of kind of the early L2s. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, I'm going to put it up there just above uh, Polygon because I think if you believe in the thesis of Ethereum and you believe that uh, Ethereum is a settlement layer, essentially a layer for other businesses to use and trust rather than consumers, uh, then you believe that some L2 will win. Uh, out of the L2s that are out there, you can look at Arbitrum, Optimism, and Coinbase's base as potential alternatives. I've excluded base from this list, one, because it's entirely controlled by one corporation. Uh, it doesn't hew to the ethos of any crypto. Two, because it doesn't have a token, so we couldn't even talk about the token. Um, but I do think L2 is a strong narrative. And if you believe in Ethereum, and I do think Ethereum has an opportunity to have a future, right? It's up there in the A tier. Then the way Ethereum succeeds is through the L2s. Uh, similarly, Optimism, I'll, I think of as Arbitrum's little brother, even though I think Optimism launched first. I've seen a lot more decentralization type activities happening on Arbitrum than on Optimism. Uh, could be because I'm not as deep into the community there, uh, but it feels like with Base effectively using Optimism's code to kind of build out their network, it, it does make you wonder where Optimism would differentiate. <clears throat> so wouldn't you, if you were looking for a fully compliant chain, just use base. And if you were looking for something that was, was actually different, you would use one of the other L2s. So maybe we'll see in the L2 wars. I'm going to also place this into B tier. Um, I'm going to place it below Polygon because I've seen a lot more from Polygon in terms of their uh, biz dev and, and the, their approach. Uh, but optimism is very strong. And you can see here, um, 
just as you're starting to look at my list come together, it's proof of work, it's Ethereum and Solana, and the growth of L2s, and then app chains. That's kind of the way I'm thinking about the world. Now, it is also a very present day way of thinking about it, right? Because who knows what's going to exist? And so you have things like sovereign rollups in Celestia, uh, which, which could just blow the doors off everything. It could be the new way to do everything. Uh, and so that's why that's there. Uh, let's talk about Hedera. So Hedera is the corporate chain, um, high transactions per second, but very much owned by a conglomerate of corporations. I haven't seen too many times where a conglomerate of corporations has produced something that is better than either a single corporation or an open source effort across a lot of different communities. I don't see Hedera having that kind of long-term impact that a lot of these other coins and, and chains do have uh, just because of that. And I don't see a lot of these organizations moving to blockchain when they could rather just use uh, APIs and uh, other ways of interacting with each other. Uh, so Hedera seems to me like a solution in search of a problem, and it's neutered some of the best parts of blockchain. While it is fast, they're very far behind in terms of the number of dApps, in terms of adoption. I'm going to place it down here in D tier, just above Litecoin. And now this could change, but uh, you know, if you look at big tech right now, Google's laying off, Microsoft's laying off. Who are all the players involved? In this. You've got IBM, you've got Google, you've got Logitech for some reason, I believe. Um, and so it doesn't seem like this will be high on their lists to continue to invest in. Uh, let's take a look at the comments here. Oh gosh. <laughs> so Ian's mom bought uh, Mana because she liked the color of the coin. I've done similar things before with similarly terrible results. <laughs> so don't invest based on the color of the coin. Uh, but you never know what's going to moon. Um, uh, yes, uh, not Ken Speckle. I think XMR is fantastic. Um, and if you want to learn more about XMR, I have had um, Doug Truman on my show as well. He's a fantastic representative for the XMR community. Uh, check that out. He'll he'll talk about it. Uh, Monero Magazine and Monero Talk are two other great places to find more information about XMR. Uh, but this is not an XMR uh, advertisement. Uh, let's talk about Multiverse X. So Wolf of X Street getting in here just as we get into Multiverse X. It's his favorite crypto. Um, superior scalability and security. Let's talk a bit about scalability. It does have uh, multi-sharded capabilities. Um, I forget the exact number of TPS. I believe it's on the order of 100,000 TPS. Um, I, I could be slightly wrong, but they have made some improvements there. 100,000 TPS uh, per shard. So it's not you know, it's effectively horizontally scalable, which is fantastic. They are also um, pursuing an approach very similar to Cosmos, where they can have um, kind of sovereign shards and people can run on their own shard and get in, and take advantage of that. Um, security, they have some really interesting features. They've effectively got a two-factor auth that's built into the blockchain, uh, which is not something I've seen anywhere else, um, which, uh, uh, which allows... Um, you to have a little more confidence that even if your keys are compromised, that there's a second factor that you can you can take advantage of that will prevent that. Um, they have a fantastic um, app called Xportal, which is their, their wallet. Um, and if you've ever used crypto wallets, they vary from, you know, really great to MetaMask. And Xportal is definitely closer to very great than it is to the MetaMask side of things. Um, they're building out hubs to make it very easy to interact with a lot of the dApps. Um, I will say that they've had a slow growth over the last couple of years. So the volume of applications on them just isn't there. It's not 
quite the same as an Ethereum or even a Cosmos where there's that level of interest, but they have built um, some, you know, not the team itself, but the ecosystem have built apps like Hatom, uh, which is working on a stable coin. They have lending and borrowing. And so they're starting to get the DeFi primitives in place. They've got an extremely active NFT scene. Uh, you know, for a small chain, every now and again, they were popping up into the top tens in terms of NFT activity. So there's a lot to like about it. I think the one draw drawback I have is that it's very focused on Europe. And Europe is not the biggest market for crypto. Asia and America are. Um, and I think, you know, potentially, uh, if they can expand out of Europe, they'll do fantastically well. Uh, because the products they have are rock solid. And the people involved in them are smart technologists. They just need to hire a couple of marketing folks and actually kind of grow that out. Uh, but they're starting to put all the right pieces, pieces in place. So with Multiverse X, um, I, I do very, very much like it. Um, but I think it's got a lot of challenges in differentiating, differentiating itself. Solana has higher TPS. We have, uh, you know, Cosmos with the app chains that are starting to get broad adoption. Um, and I think it may find itself in need of a killer scenario to actually bring people to the chain. It's got a very strong community. So like Cardano, very strong community. Um, I'm going to place it kind of low B tier, just below Avalanche. A lot of this is on promise. So you could just look at the adoption and, and kind of the number of dApps and say, well, maybe it belongs in C tier. But I do think that the way they've built things gives them some runway. It, it allows them to be in the conversation of next-gen blockchains um, and how should they be built. And the fact that it is multi-shard and high TPS potentially even could start come knocking on Solana's door and say, hey, there are types of scenarios where you don't want your transactions to ever be interrupted. No matter how many TPS you have, you can't vertically build your way out of it. So I think that's just um, a, you know, a fantastic upside for Multiverse X. Uh, it is something, you know, a lot of these coins here that I've been talking about, I do have investments in to one degree or another because I'm in crypto and I enjoy all the crypto things. Um, but yeah, Multiverse X, I think, has a future. If they can break out of Europe, that would be great. <laughs> I love this thought by Prospector. Would unemployed devs move to work on blockchain technologies? I haven't seen a lot of Google level salaries in Web3. Um, and maybe it's just because we're in the bear market, but I'm pretty sure they're going to have a hard time finding a half a million dollars to you know, build something on, on the blockchain. But who knows? I mean, a lot of the original folks, I believe, from Solana came from Big Tech. Um, Big Tech seeded a lot of the other technologies around here. So it's definitely, it's definitely a possibility. Great to hear that your mom made profit, Ian. Uh, that's the way to do it. Buy the color coin uh, and then take profit on the color. <laughs> All good. Um, Harrisol is also very excited about the future of Multiverse X. Um, they have pivoted to adoption of builders, and that's the exact right thing for them to do. So I'm you know, very happy to see them to see them do that. And thank you for the compliment. Um, I, you know, I spend a lot of my time looking at crypto, learning about crypto. I feel like it's a vast ocean, and I've just taken a small cup out of it. But every day I'll drink another cup and hopefully at some point I'll make some progress. Uh, oh, and I, I guess I didn't know Adrian's um, jumping in here on Multiverse X saying they opened a hub in Seoul. Uh, so if Multiverse X could, could pick up Asia, that would be phenomenal. Um, we don't call it Elrond anymore, not Ken Speckle. Even though Elrond is a far superior name, uh, the folks from Lord of the Rings did not like that very much. Okay, let's on, move on to the next one. I do have a bunch of coins here I'm not going to talk about, um, largely because I don't know a whole bunch about them. But if there is one in this list that you feel particularly passionate about, 
Uh, I can tell you what I know, <laughs> so just let me know. Uh, let's talk about Zcash. Uh, so Zcash is a privacy coin. Uh, they have two modes of operation. Basically, you can be fully private or you can be fully transparent. Like they have two separate sets. And the reason for that is you know, partly for compliance. And so the idea behind Zcash was that they would be compliant, they'd be available on all exchanges, they'd effectively have a compliance aspect to them. And then if the user wanted, they could move into the private aspect. Uh, and I think that's a great in theory, terrible in practice. And the reason it doesn't work in practice is if you're not private by default, users will make mistakes. Privacy will leak. There's a reason that Zcash isn't primarily used on the dark, dark webs because it doesn't have that level of privacy robustness and I guess long-term battle testing. That's something like Monero has. Um, they also seem like they're a little bit drifting in terms of focus. So there was discussions about them moving to proof of stake, which upset a bunch of people. Um, I know that they've laid off a bunch of people from their foundation. And yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's in a, a tremendously healthy place right now. And the technology itself, while they are ahead on kind of the, the, the core privacy algorithms and, and how they encrypt the data, uh, they're a little bit ahead of Monero, but that's a theoretical being ahead because their anonymity set I believe is a lot smaller than Monero's, even accounting for the ring signatures, uh, because it's just not that many transactions being done on Zcash. So in order to hide your transaction, you need a bunch of other transactions to hide in. Otherwise, metadata that's outside of the blockchain would very quickly give you away. Uh, and so Zcash's lack of adoption, um, I think, is something that's also a little bit concerning to me. Um, and the fact that you know Zuko, who was their, I guess, CEO, um, or founder, he um, has stepped down in some capacity. Uh, and so I think that's, you know, another thing that's kind of going against them there. Uh, they've definitely paved the way for some interesting technologies. I don't think they're the future. I'm going to place them just above Litecoin. So I think they do have a use case. There is a reason for them to exist. Um, and yeah, I just don't think they're doing very well at existing right now and getting adoption. <laughs> That's all. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, Algorand. If, if that is the, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I can recognize all of these things by, okay, Algorand. So I know a lot of people are very excited about the developers, the Algorand, kind of focusing, again, kind of more on the research uh, driven aspects of it. Uh, Algorand has got native USDC. They've been very vocal um, as a blockchain about leaning into central bank digital currencies. And that's got me a little bit concerned with it uh, because anytime you basically say the purpose of my blockchain primarily is to go after big governments and allow them to surveil people, that's that's not cool. Right? It's very much not cool. Uh, they do have a high TPS. Their governance continues to confuse me, and I think they've changed it up a couple times. Um, I know they have some NFT seen on Algorand, but it's one of those other ones where I'm like, why do you need to exist? If it's just to create a CBDC, then there's no reason that us as retail investors should be considering it because the value is not going to accrue to us. This is exactly how I feel about CBDC. Um, I do think there's a lot of smart people who are involved in Algorand. And I know very much that uh, the communities in Cardano and Algorand have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, 
I still just don't see it having a purpose to exist. Uh, I'm going to place it in the D tier uh, down below Zcash um, because I, I still believe Zcash is giving valuable contributions to the ecosystem. Algorand seems just like another me too in the whole set of me too's. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll get to Kajira. So if you've been following me on Twitter or if you've been following me here, you know I love Kajira. Kajira is one of my favorite projects right now. Um, I served as a senator for the Kajira team, and just recently I stood up a validator. So if you are in the Kajira community, please uh, you know, throw some delegations my way. We'd very much appreciate it. You'll find Technology Poet as a validator on the network. But why? Why am I so excited about it? A couple reasons. So what is Kajira first? And we'll get into why I'm excited about it. Um, Kajira is a layer one blockchain built on the Cosmos SDK. And it's a very DeFi-focused blockchain. They're looking to build a suite of DeFi applications that are accessible to anyone. So a lot of these other chains, they have DeFi applications, but it's difficult to get them to interoperate. And so the composability doesn't really happen unless you know what you're doing. Uh, Kujira allows the composability to happen, even for novices, even for people who just need a pretty UI to, to work with. Um, it's got a mobile app that's in the works that's fairly far along that effectively gives you a mobile native experience for everything that you would need to do on the application um, from uh, lending and borrowing. So they have lending and borrowing markets with some very attractive yield right now on USDC. Often I see it upwards of 15%. Uh, the other day, the yield on Bitcoin was 24%. I, I guess you know folks are shorting Bitcoin and needed to borrow it or however that, that works. Um, and they have lots of opportunities to earn. They've got a fully on-chain order book DEX, which is unique. There's not a lot of fully on-chain uh, order books DEXs, um, which allows for limit orders to be processed in a fair fashion. So it's not first come, first serves. Everyone at a given price will get a portion of that price. I could go on and on, but basically it's a, a fully DeFi suite focused on uh, making it simple for the end user, as well as fairness. And fairness is inherent in all their products, from the liquidation engine that's resistant to bots to the, uh, the fair order execution that I mentioned on the decentralized exchange. Um, they did something that very few teams did. They used to be a DAP on Terra. We all know what happened with Luna. It exploded. Rather than just run away and take the VC money and go and sit on a yacht somewhere, they spent the last year building to make their community whole. Their token recently hit an all-time high after the Terra crash. So even the price before the crash of Terra, they've eclipsed that because of the hard work and the focus that they've done. So that's why I'm, I'm passionate and I'll, I talk with such passion about it, uh, because it is a project that there seems to be a measure of integrity in the people who are running it. And that's drawn me to it. And the second reason is because it's something that I can use without having to be a brain surgeon for it. Now, it is a small chain. It's very much a micro cap on this list. Um, it does have a lot of competitors. So DeFi chains are a dime a dozen. Even just in Cosmos, uh, you've got you know Astroport, you've got Neutron with its smart contract platform, Osmosis and Mars Protocol. Um, and so there's a ton of different chains which are trying to do the same thing. I would argue not as good as Kajira, but again, as we talked about earlier, it's not always the best technology or the best user experience that wins. Uh, there's lots of different factors into it. Uh, and so I think as a, as a chain, kind of in the marketplace, it has a lot of competitors. It also has a lot of unique value propositions. Uh, one is asking the interesting question is, what is the utility for Kuji? So Kuji is the native token of Kajira. 
Uh, one, it's governance. Well, we all have a governance token, big deal. Uh, two is it accrues yield from all the dApps that are on it. It's real yield, it's not inflated. So Kajira is fully distributed. There is no inflation to it. Um, all the yield comes from a percentage of the swap fees when you swap and you trade on Fin or a percentage of the fees when someone's liquidated. Uh, and so basically, if you're staking Kuji, as someone was saying, it's almost like you own a piece of the exchange. It's like you own a piece of Binance. And every time there's a transaction that's done, you get a little share of, of what's there. And the yield is ranged, uh, you know, anywhere from 1% to I think 20% right now. Sometimes it's bolstered by uh, airdrops. The team does, well, not the team, but the ecosystem. There's a lot of fair airdrops where uh, tokens are dropped entirely 100% of the supply to the community. Uh, there's been at least two of those. Um, and so that's a that's a way where holders of, of Kuji participate in the growth of the ecosystem in a fair way and in a way that's sustainable. So it's not just, oh, they're inflating the token away to nothing. <laughs> so that's that's a reason I, I think it's got a, a lot of inherent value. And, you know, honestly, it's the place where I spend most of my time when I'm degening because it's easy and it's fun and there's a lot of tools that I could use. So I've got a bunch of videos on this channel as well about Kajira. Check them out if you're interested. Um, hit me up on Twitter. I'm happy to talk about Kajira all day. However, as we look at some of these S-tier coins, uh, as much as I love it, it's definitely not S-tier. As much as I love it, I don't think it comes close to where Ethereum and Solana are poised to have an impact. I do, however, think um, that it has at least the opportunity to have the same level of impact as uh, an avalanche, potentially even Cosmos itself. The problem here is there's, there's definitely a risk skew. Cosmos is large, and while the chance, I think, of Cosmos itself going away is very, very small, the chance of Cosmos changing the world is also very, very small, in my opinion. Uh, but I would be hard-pressed to place it above Cosmos in terms of the tier lists that we've talked about. Um, so given that, given that it has a working product, uh, I'm going to place it just above Celestia. Celestia has tremendous promise as a technology that could revolutionize the entire way we do blockchains, but it doesn't have a lot of products. Uh, Kujira has a ton of products and also the ability to revolutionize how end users onboard into all of this. So I, I do feel like that's a fair place for it right now. In my mind, when I'm purchasing crypto, uh, it's up here. <laughs> In reality, for this, the purpose of this video, to be honest, I think that's where it is. Um, and Speckle, thank you for the compliment. I, I really appreciate it. I, I try, I don't always get everything right, but when I'm wrong, I try and admit I'm wrong um, because this is crypto and it happens. Um, and I say that as someone who invested in Luna and was very wrong. But it, it happens. <laughs> you can't catch uh, 100Xs if you don't catch some minus 100%. Um, I had a request here for Tezos. Uh, so Tezos, from my previous understanding, was actually one of the first coins that I bought. And I bought it because they lean very hard into decentralized governance. Uh, they do have an active NFT community. And I believe at one point they were tied to the French government to do something there for them. So it would kind of be the blockchain that did something. But I haven't really heard a lot about Tezos lately. Um, it seems to be another one of these chains which had a unique, unique value proposition that wasn't really that interesting in driving adoption. Governance isn't that sexy, right? It's like uh, we're all here to do other stuff other than vote on propositions. But it's still going. I see it as 
potentially like less valuable than Polkadot, less relevant, uh, because Polkadot does at least have Mindshare and is doing active partnerships across chain. We've got the Cardano partnership that's happening. And even though, you know, earlier someone mentioned it was a dead chain, uh, there's still activity there. Now, I'm not saying that Tezos is dead, but it's definitely in terms of Mindshare and adoption, um, streets behind Polkadot from what I've seen. Um, and so just given that, I, I feel like it belongs somewhere in the D tier here. Um, I'm going to pop it just below Litecoin uh, because I think I've seen a lot more interest in Litecoin. Litecoin and Dogecoin merge mine, so there's Litecoin will continue to persist. I just don't see a lot of reason for Tezos to continue to exist unless it's propped up by the, the French government or some other aspect there. Um, that's just about everything that I'd, I'd prepared. If there's another coin you'd like me to talk about, uh, let me just scroll through and see. But yeah, there's another coin. Uh, just pop it here, and I'll tell you what I can about it. I'm not seeing anything else. Do, do, do. Oh, Gala. I don't know a ton about Gala. Sorry, I, I believe it's a metaverse thing, um, but I haven't dug too deeply into it. So I think I, I wouldn't do it justice to have a conversation about it uh, on, on this particular show. Um, that's all I got, folks. Uh, oh, okay, we've got Q&T. Uh, Quant is another one that I don't have a ton of knowledge on. So, yeah, I know there's a there's a lot of folks who know that. Oh, gosh, you guys are giving me coins I haven't heard of. <laughs> EWT. Wait, what's that? Have I heard of that? EWT. Energy Web. Yeah, sorry, not knowing a whole lot about these. Uh, let's talk about sand. Um, yeah, so I think there was this whole uh, world where there was all these uh, metaverse virtual worlds that were being created and a bunch of these coins. There was uh, native tokens on different blockchains. There was things like sand. I really don't see a lot of the activity coming back there. It always felt a bit like it's further out than NFTs in terms of the uh, level of speculativeness in it um, and dependence on culture. It, it just, I, I don't see why someone would pay for a virtual plot of land when the virtual plot of lands are infinite and they aren't integrated into an experience that end users actually use. So yeah, I, I don't see them coming back. Uh, Psy, um, I've seen Psy a lot in the news I haven't actually dug too deeply into it. My understanding is it's got a lot of VC backing behind it. Um, and so that feels like, you know, potential red flag, uh, but it's done, you know, pretty well. And I think it's attracting a lot of dApps to it. So I wouldn't necessarily count Sci out, uh, but I, I just don't have enough to be able to kind of place it on the list. Um, I guess you asked about Sandbox. I'm going to put Sandbox on the list. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think Sandbox is very good. Uh, space, what is that? That's a new one for me. And apologies, there are 20,000 tokens, so <laughs> I don't have them all in my brain. Uh, no, I don't know a whole lot about space. EWT, I, I don't know about, unfortunately. Um, Filecoin, Filecoin is interesting. So I think one place we haven't leaned uh, far enough into is uh, effectively deepen. Um, so the, the, the idea behind tying some of these currencies into like physical infrastructure. Um, it's, it's, I think, going to be a big um, 
narrative probably this year and next year. So you've seen, I've already talked about um, apps like Helium, like HiveMind, um, this whole idea of decentralized physical infrastructure networks, which is what Deepin stands for, um, I think is, is very interesting because it gives a way for uh, networks to organically inf uh, perform and incentivize participants in that network. Another one that uh, I didn't mention was Akash, which is another uh, Cosmos chain. Uh, and they're doing that effectively for GPU, um, being able to lease GPUs and CPUs. And so I think those things have a very, very bright future. I think something like Filecoin, um, the category that it's in has a bright future. I think Rweave is another example of that. Uh, whether Filecoin has something to differentiate it from Rweave and others, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'm getting folks asking a lot about Casper. So I think I'm going to have to do that as my next deep dive. I honestly don't know enough about Casper to, to have a comment here. But it's it's been the most popular. Like People keep pinging me on Twitter and, and here to talk about Casper. So uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to do a Casper overview because now I'm very intrigued based on the number of comments. Adrian's asking, uh, would be interesting to do at the end how you want this list to look in 2025. Okay, well, let's, let's cue that at the end. Neil, come on. <laughs> FTX 2.0, God, I hope those guys just get the justice that's coming for them and go away. Um, I'm My biggest disappointment with the entire last two years of crypto is how centralized players lied to us, lied to our faces, bold-faced lies. I mean, it's one thing to work at a business and fail for whatever reason, but these guys were just flat out lying, and that's unacceptable. Um, you know, I'll say often that, I'm, I'm not mad about Luna because I knew what was happening and it was a an attempt and it failed. And yeah, it was a failed project. But things like FTX and Voyager and all the other who were lying about the risks that they were taking, not acceptable, not acceptable. Uh, thank you, Juan Gal is a gaming coin. So correction for earlier. Uh, thanks, Sukaran. Uh, glad to... Please, thanks for the tier list, not too shabby. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that maybe... Uh, you would find that Cardano might bump up a little bit, um, so potentially. Uh, Theta is interesting. So let's talk a little bit about Theta because um, I was actually involved in a uh, project um, called Kavari on Multiverse X, which I think is somewhat related to Theta, if I'm, if I'm understanding Theta correctly. I believe Theta's got to do with kind of live video and effectively building up like a a, a YouTube on a decentralized network. Um, I really, really want things like this to succeed uh, because we've all seen the censorship that's been happening recently. I mean, the last few years, ever since the lockdowns and probably before that as well, uh, where you aren't able to talk about things, people get demonetized, removed from YouTube, uh, previously removed from Twitter. I think technologies like data are tremendously important. The challenge is, I don't know how they get adoption and how they kind of break through to reach critical mass. Uh, so in my heart, I wanted to succeed. Um, I just don't know if actuality, um, it, it will actually succeed. Ah, someone wants me to redo ICP. I'll tell you exactly what I said. ICP is dog shit. There we go. <laughs> it's supposed to have some crazy tech that, that does things better. But the fact that they did a VC pump and dump on all their retail users, I will never say anything nice about it because it was very clearly extractive um, and not something that's... Uh, I'm going to support. Uh, thank you, Conrad. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I try and make it fair, uh, despite what some on Twitter might think. I try and make all my comments fair. Uh, I don't 
know everything. I have blind spots, but from what I know, this is you know, what I share. Uh, Momo wants to talk about VeChain. So I think you know supply chain tracking. Uh, VeChain is a, a coin. The whole idea behind the chain is to track supply chains from source through manufacturing through delivery. Uh, I think that's going to happen at some point in time. Uh, that's another part of crypto where we have a use case that's really, really important, which is how do you trust the entire process of the good that you've got? Do you know whether it was grown in this region or is it organic or whatever thing's important to you? Uh, can you trace it back to that? And blockchain is one of the few technologies we have uh, that makes that immutable. Now, there's a lot of failure points along the way, the people entering the data at each of these different spots, for example. But I do think technologies like VeChain have promise. Uh, VeChain has an interesting setup. I believe it's got like a two-token setup. Um, but I don't know a whole lot about that. So yeah, I, I can't comment on VeChain versus a bunch of other competitors, unfortunately. Uh, ACT, I'm a huge fan of ACT. It's one of the, 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 the two coins that I think are amazing, two technologies that are amazing that I don't actually own. Uh, one is ACT, the other one is Ruin. I think they're both fantastic. Um, ACT is a cache. Um, this is what I was mentioning earlier, where you can effectively lease GPUs. As we move further into the AI era, where everyone needs to lease a GPU, I think some of the arbitrage around GPU time could be something that really comes to fruition. So that's going to be um, definitely an opportunity. I don't know if it's overhyped right now, given all the AI hype. So that's my one hesitation is, are we writing thinking that every AI company is going to do ChatGPT, OpenAI, and be a you know $10 billion company at launch? I think valuations are probably a little bit too high. I don't know a lot about gaming. Sorry, Rorish. Uh, IMX and Beam, I don't know a, a ton about, so I can't comment too much on that. Um, yeah, Arweave data storage, definitely. I, I think that's that's bullish as well. <laughs> Why are FCT and Link pumping? Who knows? This is crypto. Um, Link. For those who don't know, is Luna Classic. FTT, obviously the token from Sam Bankman-Fried's failed uh, exchange. Um, I think tokens pump for a number of reasons, one of which is just people speculating on the token. Right? They, they think it's going to go up, so they buy it. And then people see the price moving, and they think it's going to go up, so they buy it. Another one could be explicit pump and dumps for people to have exit events. Um, I could see potentially that happening for FTT. Like We see a lot of these shenanigans around some of these centralized exchange tokens. Um, so that's not something that, uh, yeah, I'm not, not sure that'll continue. I treat those as basically meme coins. Uh, full disclosure, I do have some Luna Classic because wrecked lunatics always have some Luna Classic lying around, but it's not enough to, to actually make a difference in my life. I'm loving the questions, guys. Thank you. I'm really enjoying this conversation and, and sharing here. Uh, so Prospect has got a separate subject. In the US, uh, how do we get more crypto holders and the public on learning and deciding on crypto regulations? Uh, Bitcoin ETF, I think, is a fantastic step in this direction because it brings the visibility of our industry to a larger audience. Um, I think, yeah, how do we get people to learn more about crypto is a huge challenge. Uh, and I'm sure Coinbase has a ton of people like working on this very, very topic specifically. Uh, but I think when you look at the price of Bitcoin and if Bitcoin continues to hold value and to grow, by nature, humans, all of us, are greedy. Right? We, we look at that and think, okay, I would like some of that. You know, I want to get rich too. And so unfortunately, price appreciation is one of the best marketing tools the crypto industry has. 
I think we need to do a better job of not having scams running around. Like we have far too many scams and scammers and we just basically shrug our shoulders and say, oh, $400 million was lost on Ethereum. Okay. Um, you know, it's, a, it's not the way regular people would ever like to work. If you lose your money, that's a big deal. Right? And so you can't, you can't just shrug some of those things off. So I think we need to clean up our, our entire industry, uh, but we also need to, you know, build something that has utility. Um, you know, for example, I talked a lot about Kajira, being able to go directly from your checking account to on-chain that earns you 15% interest in USDC, that's real utility for someone, right? And there's additional risks, but but ultimately that's a utility. What are some of the other utilities? Right? Having a mobile service with Helium that can be fully paid for by you owning a node, that's real utility. So those sorts of things, the more we can build real, real utility, uh, the more we have price events which are positive that get attention, and the more we clean up our industry and just get rid of scammers. Um, I think those are some good things. Uh, Neil, thank you. It's great to have you here. I appreciate you very much. Um, glad you could join us. I know we've gone for almost an hour and a half. I don't want me talk this much. Uh, Momo, yes, great, great to have you here. Uh, very much uh, trying to share as much as I can. Um, let's see what we have here. VeChain slide, they're doing things in the background. Yeah, I think logistics is definitely um, something that's important. Um, I'll, I'll put a, I guess I don't have my list up here. Oops, let me add it. Uh, yeah, I'll put VeChain. I'll put VeChain above Hedera because I think it's actually got a use case. Yeah, you could definitely make an argument that Celestia should be higher, not Ken Speckle. I think the reason it's not higher is it's all promise right now. It's not so much delivery of actual scenarios. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, if you if you work in logistics, like you know, you know the pain and you know how important tech like this uh, could be. Um, Render is another one I hear a lot about. Um, I haven't dug into render a whole lot. My understanding is it's very similar to a cache, but maybe I'm missing something there. Um, so I've got render and Casper after this conversation to go and maybe do a deeper dive into, maybe do a video on. Um, there will definitely be a replay. Uh, so the video that's on X, I think will, will stay. Uh, the video that's on YouTube, once we end the stream, uh, it should be saved then as just a regular video on, on my channel. So if you go to uh, youtube.com slash just crypto, that's me. You'll find me there. All my videos are there. Um, and if you click on the live streams, then you'll be able to find this one. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Chris, I don't think the loss of funds uh, will stop people using Ethereum. Uh, it's just not the way uh, that <laughs> that we're, we're kind of made. Um, coins aside from, from Kuji, Kuji's uh, my number one right now. So I don't tend to give um, price predictions or any sort of recommendations like that. But I think that what the team at Kujira is doing is very, very awesome. Um, so that's all I got for today. I kind of my, my voice is cutting out here a little bit. So I want to say thank you everyone for your comments. Thank you for kind of being part of this. Um, it's been a few months since I've actually done one of these. So I, I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things I appreciate most was you kind of challenging me and the questions that you gave. Um, second thing I'd appreciate is if you are watching on YouTube, please pop a like, you know, share, comment, do all the good YouTube things. Um, I think it's, unfortunately, we are beholden to the algorithm gods. And you have to pray to the gods by liking and subscribing. That's the way it is. Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for your time. You can hit me up on Twitter. Always happy to have a chat. And I will see you again later. Cheers.